Welcome to this podcast from Rolling Roads Baptist Church of Greensboro, North Carolina. You're invited to join with us as we are growing towards Christ. The following is a message from a recent Sunday morning worship service. Our Bible study podcast for this week is in Bible Studies for Life for the week of March 5th, and we're beginning a new unit this week, uh, My Encounter with Jesus, and that unit introduction is on page 13, and basically the writer is saying, watch out when you encounter Jesus, because you need to be prepared. Jesus asks those he encountered difficult questions very often. He calls them to reflect and think about their lives, their sin, and their future. And he was even known to ask them to do difficult things. But isn't that how transformation works? So, our session one is Jesus met my greatest need. And our main point is that only Jesus can truly satisfy my thirst. And we're looking at John chapter 14, verses 7 through 18, and verses 25 through 26 of John chapter 4 as well. They begin asking us the question, what is the thirstiest you've ever been? And they show a glass of water with a lot of ice in it. And um, he talks about, the writer says, it's not good to be so thirsty about thirsty that your body hurts. And then he describes how he was out training for a marathon. How many times have we heard about that in these Bible studies? But someone's training for a marathon again and um, realizes he hadn't brought enough water and uh, he was stubborn and he pressed on. He says it didn't take long in the heat because it was about 80 degrees at this point for me to become thirsty, very thirsty. I became so thirsty that my kidneys hurt. This is a very dangerous situation, and I am grateful I made it back to my car, rehydrated and recovered. So, he observes, our thirst tells us when we need water, but our lives tell us how much more we need eternal living water. This water isn't found in a bottle or a fountain, like a Samaritan woman whom Jesus encountered, it is found only when we meet the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. So John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because the disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask of him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. 
Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So, it begins with a woman of Samaria. And you'll recall how the Jews had a long history of animosity for the Samaritans. And as a rule, they didn't like each other very much. And some scholars suggest that Jews would often make much a longer route to Galilee to avoid traveling through Samaria. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. He never viewed people with animosity. Think of that sentence. Jesus never viewed people with animosity. He was always eager to engage people, no matter their history or their circumstances. What do you think? And you know, it talks about in the lesson how she was seen as an outcast even among her own people. Talking about how she came to the well at midday to be alone. To avoid the looks or comments from women who would come in the morning hours to get water. And we'll see later in the passage that she had some issues in her personal life that were likely the reason for the rejection of other people and maybe why she was an outcast. So she comes privately and yet she's greeted by this Jewish man at the well. And nothing about this was making sense to her, he writes. So she asks the question, why are you asking me for a drink? And on page 17 he writes, one of the things Jesus was so good at was engaging in everyday conversations that were segues to eternal conversations. That means that he could turn a conversation into something really important, such as eternal life. This conversation was no different. As Jesus uh, spoke to her, he shifted the conversation to her need for eternal redemption. She thought they were talking about his need. That'd be, you know, give me a drink. But nope, they were talking about her need. So remember our main point, only Jesus can satisfy my thirst. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we realize that what we need is not so much a drink or even so much acceptance but what we really need is more of him. The writer recalls that there's been many times when he's entered into prayer with a long list, a long list of my needs. And, you know, we have a prayer list. We have prayer needs and things we want to ask God for. But listen to this. This is a great observation. When the writer of Hebrews wrote that God rewards those who seek him, Hebrews eleven six. He left it for the seeker to discover that the greatest reward Jesus can give is more of himself and a deeper faith. What a reward. What a reward. What we really need is more of him. And of course, 
Back in the story, the Samaritan woman is confused at first, and there's this discussion about the bucket and another source of water and him being greater than Jacob. And uh, Jesus is, is, is one of the questions that is here is to her. Jesus' statement implied he was claiming to be greater than Jacob. But to her, why would Jacob go to such great trouble to dig a well if there was a river or stream of living water that could be far more easily accessed. So that could be why she made the greater than Jacob comment. You're not smarter than Jacob, are you? You're not, you don't know more about this area than Jacob, do you? Anyway, Jesus shifted the conversation from a discussion about the physical one to the eternal. He is greater than Jacob, not because he knows of another water source, but because he is the source himself. So he identified for her a solution to a problem she didn't know she had. So Jesus is convincing her that she needs the water and that he's the solution. He is the source of the water. And so verses 15 through 18 read this way. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she said, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Oh boy. So the woman thought she had found a secret source of water that's going to allow her to do something different and not have to do this daily struggle, I guess, here. But Jesus doesn't go that way. He doesn't point to some secret running stream. He didn't show her a way, to, a better way to draw water from the well or anything like that. Instead, what does Jesus do? He identifies her sin, a sin that she would prefer not to talk about, Jesus told her to go get her husband and bring him to the well. So listen to this. I'm going to read from page 19. Most of us, when confronted with something shameful, we hide, we deflect, or we shy away from the truth. The writer says, when I was a kid and I knew I had been caught doing or saying something wrong, I would hide under my bed we come by this behavior honestly because this is the way Adam and Eve handled their confrontation with God in the Garden of Eden after they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 3.8 The Samaritan woman responded in the same way. She thought she could avoid the issue by admitting she had no husband. But she failed to realize who she was speaking with. This man just looked into her life and spoke a truth about her that, as a stranger, he shouldn't have known. It was a miracle, a miracle of God's knowledge. So there is nothing about us that Jesus does not know. You know, he created us, he knows us. You know, we fool ourselves into thinking we can hide our sin and we believe that if we don't get caught, then nobody really knows. Well, that's obviously silly. I saw a bumper sticker on a car this week 
that's Jesus poking around the corner with a halo on his head with his hand up in that certain symbol that means, I forgot what, the letters of his name. And he's, he's leaning out and then it has a balloon like a cartoon. And Jesus says, I saw that. Well, of course, that's somewhat, you know, irreverent or belittling of Jesus or kind of, you know, silly. But from the other bumper stickers, it did look like the person in the car was religious, at least in some way. But the truth is, Jesus did see that. God always knows. Nothing catches him by surprise. So when Jesus initiated the conversation way back verses ago, he already knew it. He may have already knew it when he decided to go through Samaria to get to Galilee, don't you think? And that is amazing because it's no accident that Jesus met the woman on this day at this time under these circumstances. Jesus does this with each person he encounters. He meets us right where we are. An encounter with Jesus is transformational. But before transformation takes place, there is usually some kind of pain, shame, or confession. And yet it is that pain, shame, or confession that forces us to see our own need and drives us to repentance. And then he quotes C.S. Lewis there on page 20. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speak to, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. What do you think? Is C.S. Lewis correct? Of course, she had had the five husbands, and you know, even today, a person who had been has been married five times is looked at a little funny, even today when people don't think marriage is all that serious. Having five husbands is not viewed well by society, and it would have been even more so, of course, in this lady's day and and her location. So in just a brief conversation, Jesus pinpointed the place of pain and hurt in this woman's life. And the good news is that he had the remedy for her brokenness and her pain, didn't he? And here it is, verses 25 through 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Well, the Samaritan woman really found out something that day when she came to draw water from the well. And as you, you know, she became the missionary to the Samaritan people. And she knew the Messiah was coming and she knew the Messiah would explain things and would, you know, even though she didn't know everything and and she was a Samaritan and she wasn't the religious authority she sort of posed out to be to Jesus. The man who had asked her to get him a drink was the very one she had been waiting for all along. He was the one who knew her sin and shame and still took the time to speak with her and have conversation with her anyway. He was the one who would love her unconditionally, he writes on page 21. He was the one who just a few short years later would die a criminal's death on the cross to be raised from the dead. 
the walk in the middle of the day that led her to the well did not turn out at all like she suspected. And God is so good at meeting us where we are and surprising us with his grace. Now, here's a great story in the lesson. I'm going to read every word of it here. Following a Sunday morning service, an 80-year-old church member introduced me to a young lady in her 20s. They were neighbors, and the senior adult woman had invited the young lady to be her guest that morning. I was thrilled, but honestly a bit surprised. What did this 80-year-old lady have in common with this 20-year-old? My curiosity got the better of me, so I asked. The older woman had been bitten by the younger woman's dog. But instead of getting mad at her and reporting it, the senior adult invited her to church. I am sure the young lady felt a bit guilty and may have agreed to come a few times just to keep things on good terms. But then something happened. She heard the gospel, felt convicted of her sin, repented and trusted Jesus as her Savior. Attending church and having her life completely transformed by Jesus was not on her agenda the day her dog got loose and bit her neighbor. But it was on God's agenda. Over the next few years, we watched this young lady grow in her faith, marry a godly man, and start a family. It all began with a dog that got loose and a senior adult woman who loved Jesus and this girl more than any desire for retaliation and retribution. So that's the end of the story there. So you know, there is not a greater need than the need to be saved. And we don't recognize this sometimes. People go by it because we're trying to fill the need with all sorts of other things. But guess what? Just like the woman at the well was not going to find rest in another husband or in some special stream of water bubbling up, she wasn't going to find rest in that. She needed something supernatural. She needed something that would transform her. She needed something that would change her life. And that is exactly what she found when Jesus met her at the well in the middle of the day. Have you met Jesus? Have you encountered him in your life? He knows all about you from top to bottom and front to back. And he, and he is what you need. He is what you need in your life. Jesus will satisfy your thirst today. Well, I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, I'll see you live and in person soon at the Rolling Roads Baptist Church in Green. Thank you for listening. Rolling Roads Baptist Church is located at 2800 Van Story Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, near Four Seasons Town Center and Smith High School. You're invited to join with us this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. as we are growing towards Christ. Find us on Facebook and at rollingroads.org.